I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for the United States Senate. The time is now for fresh ideas and new leadership. I'm running for student council because of you and for you. That is why I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president. Welcome to the Arena Talks podcast, where we interview emerging political leaders from across the country. My name is Robbie Gupta, co-founder of the Arena. And today we talk about the Republican tax bill and uh, what has been perceived as increasing public support for that bill. Uh, in many ways, we're responding to what Dan Pfeiffer said a few weeks ago on Pod Save America when he implored Democrats to do more to message what really was in that bill and how it's going to impact America going forward. And so today we bring in Andrea Peirce, who's an advisor to the Not One Penny campaign. Uh, she previously worked as the head of broadcast media at the White House and held similar roles in the Democratic caucus in the House of Representatives. And she also was the head of communications at Next Gen Climate and the Center for American Progress. We talk about research that the Not One Penny campaign has recently put together about public perceptions on that bill, but also some message testing that they did that can point the way forward for Democrats in the future. So let's dive right in. Andrea, welcome to the Arena Talks podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. So tell us about this Not One Penny campaign. Well, so we have been working through the Not One Penny campaign since uh, after the tax march last year when Republicans kind of turned their attention uh, to so-called tax reform. So uh, basically, it's based on one clear principle, which is that we wanted not one penny more in tax cuts to go to the wealthy uh, and 1% and giant corporations who do not need a tax cut. So that was our operating principle. Uh, we did tons of events. Uh, some advertising around the country to make sure that people knew what the stakes were around this fight. And now that uh, Republicans have taken a vote, we want to make sure that people know exactly how their members voted uh, and that we continue to keep the pressure on. And so, you know, one thing that you recently did was commission some research into both um, what the current public perception, the evolving public perception is of the bill, but also uh what Democrats could do and Republicans could do in the future to shape public perceptions. You want to give us a top line of what you learned in that poll? Yeah. So without getting into the technical pieces of running a polling experiment, we basically just looked at how uh, if voters heard just one side of the argument and uh, didn't hear back from Democrats what would happen. And the fact is, if they only hear the Republican message going forward on taxes, um, there is some softness uh, in people and they would tend to uh, go towards, uh, start to believe that maybe the tax cut was all right after all, even though they didn't see the benefits. Um, but what we found is if they heard the other side, the more they heard, the less they liked it. And, you know, frankly, there were messages that did better than others. But the message for Democrats should be uh, whatever you do, don't do nothing. Don't let the message uh, that Republicans are making go unanswered. Uh, so for us, it was a real moment to tell uh, Democrats and other people around the country like, hey, People want to know more about this. Uh, they're looking at their paychecks and wondering what happened to that $4,000 they were supposed to get. The Republicans said was coming in their paychecks. And they can look at it and say, hey, I didn't get what I was promised, but guess who did? The 
giant corporations did get a massive tax break. And some of them used it instead of reinvesting in their people, they're reinvesting in their shareholders and giving their shareholders uh, these huge, huge breaks. They're buying back more of their own stock, just making themselves richer. And, you know, we were promised that regular people were going to benefit from this tax cut. And that's just really not what's happening. And so um, you said that you tested different kinds of messages and some work better than others. Uh, tell us what particularly stood out and if you learned anything counterintuitive about what didn't work that well. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if there's if there's one thing that we know about which message to lean on a little bit more, um, you know, it, it's it probably shouldn't surprise anybody that the fact that the rich and the wealthy do better and middle class Americans don't probably is not surprising. And it happens to be really true in this case of this legislation. So um, that's not a hard case to make. And people are very receptive to that. The one thing I, w- I guess it, it, it doesn't do badly. So I certainly don't want to overstate it, but just talking widely about how, how the economy is impacted does a little bit less well. And I think some of that is because people are thinking personally about this issue. How does it in- impact my family? How does it impact my paycheck? So, um, not like kind of more widespread things about kind of how it does and the broader economy tends to work a little bit less. People also, are not, you know, the deficit isn't their number one issue. So, um, you know, there's certainly some hypocrisy over the years. Republicans have said over and over again that, um, that the deficit is something that they care about. And this, you know, this put us another $1.5 trillion in debt. Um, I think we won't see the bottom of that for a long time uh, based on this bill. Um, But Americans are not overwhelmingly concerned about the deficit. They're really worried about their own families. And kind of at the end of the day, it really is a pocketbook issue for many families who were hoping to get something that they're not going to get. So you said the deficit isn't a huge issue, but if I'm reading the the work that you did correctly, um, there was one... Uh, line of attack regarding the deficit that did seem to move voters. And I think it was this, this, you know, message that says, because the plan adds so much to the deficit, Medicare and Medicaid will become prime targets for reduction and um, the, you know, resulting cuts um, will impact you and your family. Am I reading correctly that even though the general messaging about the deficit wasn't effective, that that particular message tying Medicare and Medicaid cuts, future Medicare and Medicaid cuts was effective? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's that trade-off that we're looking at that, um, you know, you basically traded your Medicaid and Medicare for a huge tax cut for Apple. And like, Lord knows Apple didn't need it. Uh, you traded your tax cut for, you know, your, your Medicaid, Medicare education, your roads. I mean, this is going to have a huge impact on our ability to do the big infrastructure projects that, you know, the president even admitted that we need, we're never going to be able to do as long as we gave away the bank to millionaires and billionaires. So that trade-off, yeah, that's a really critical message for us. But again, that that's taking uh, what deficits mean to you and kind of at the end of the day, what does it mean to you and your family if there's no Medicare? Uh, and I know a lot of a lot of people, if not themselves, their parents are looking uh, looking at Medicare in the next few years and kind of how that will impact them. So it's really critical to be able to make those messages about the trade-offs that people have to make. So, uh, Andrea, 
a lot of our audience are either candidates themselves or people who support candidates. So what's the bottom line from the message testing? Like what, what few lines of attack would you use when you're out on the stump, when you're talking to people on the doors or, or if you're crafting an ad uh, to swing voters on this bill? Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're out on the road and we're doing events in state. So we're talking to a lot of people and, you know, just like that secretary in Lancaster that Paul Ryan talked to, they're saying, where is my tax cut? I know that like the corporations got a big tax cut and millionaires got a huge tax cut. Where is mine? So saying, you know, Hey, it's really not fair that like the weekend Paul Ryan trumpeted a dollar fifty tax cut um, for a secretary in Pennsylvania. That oil companies announced eleven billion dollars in tax cut money. I mean, it just couldn't be more clear who Republicans are looking out for with this tax plan versus who Democrats would look out for if we were going to get to write the next tax bill. And I think that Democrats are really dedicated to real reform, creating a tax cut system that's more fair for working families and frankly makes the rich pay their fair share. We know when we polled before this vote, people were saying to us that they, not just that they thought corporations should pay, but that they should pay even more. So we have Republicans that went hugely against public opinion. This is one of the least popular pieces of legislation in a, in a generation, frankly. So we should be bold about saying, hey, they did this against the will of the American people. They did it to help themselves and to help millionaires and billionaires. And it didn't help working families. And we should be bold about that. We shouldn't feel any, you know, the, I think people started to shy away a little bit when there were some bonus news. But frankly, you know, when we looked behind the curtain at that, those were bonuses that companies gave every year anyway, and frankly, weren't to the scale of anything what Republicans had promised in this tax reform. So uh, people want to see their wages go up. This this tax bill is not going to do it. They're not going to get what they promised, what was promised to them by Republicans. And we need to continue to spread that message. Yeah. And so there's a there's a line in your report where you say voters are more ambivalent about the plan's effects for them personally. Uh, and so I guess putting that together with what you just said, uh, candidates and campaigns should probably spend more time on the fairness itself uh, than um, whether like, you know, your taxes are going to go up or down in any one year. Yeah. I mean, frankly, people's expectations are very low, which in some ways is really sad to hear that they they don't expect much. They don't expect that legislation is going to work for them anymore. And, you know, frankly, that's kind of a sad statement about what is happening right now in our politics. So people just don't, you know, they're not seeing the benefit and they don't expect to. Um, so I think, you know, as we continue to message on this, talking about, hey, you know, you didn't get what you were promised, but but by and large, uh, if you were if you were a CEO of a company, you certainly did. And so let's put a, uh, some numbers to this. You did uh, you you mixed a few different types of messages. So you looked at what would happen if there is a standalone anti-Trump tax message, a standalone pro-Trump tax message. But then what would happen if both happened in tandem? What did you learn? Uh, basically, you know, there's a big shift uh, towards. Uh, the plan if they only hear from Republicans. And, you know, frankly, what we know is 
um, there's a whole lot of money being spent to sell this package. So there is a chance that if Democrats aren't loud and aren't doing a lot, they could just hear that message. So people will swing in that direction if that's all they hear. Now, if they are, if they get the mix of both our message and their message, we win at the end of the day. And if they just hear our message, and that might happen in states where you know Republicans aren't spending big, uh, we hear have a huge, huge shift. So it's really, really critical. I mean, we're up against tens of millions of dollars, basically. And, you know, we're seeing this happen in Pennsylvania right now that tens of millions of dollars are being spent against Connor Lamb, making this uh, referendum on the tax bill, uh, this race that's happening locally. Uh, and, you know, strangely enough, two candidates, neither of whom voted for or against the bill, uh, they've been spending a ton of money there. And if left unanswered, uh, candidates are going to be at a huge disadvantage advantage if they don't say, hey, at the end of the day, this is not what I stand for. I would be for a tax plan that is far more fair uh, and helps our working families, puts working families at the center of reform. And so who's behind the spending on the other side? Uh, and you mentioned that's tens of millions of dollars. What what do we know in the exact spend right now? And maybe we don't know enough. Um, and what are the messages that that seem, you know, seem to be catching a grip on the other side? Like, what are they settling on as their pro-tax message? Yeah. So um, what we we are hearing from Koch brothers, a whole network of organizations that have been working on this. So American Action Network up with another million dollars today. Um, they've been doing this, um, you know, they spent a hundred million was what they spent up until uh, about two weeks ago. Uh, and we know that the Koch brothers themselves have promised another 400 million towards candidates who, uh, who are like-minded on taxes. So we know they've done a lot, but we know there's more coming. Uh, and certainly, you know, the, the days after the tax plan passed, uh, the Koch brothers, uh, wrote a check to Paul Ryan directly, uh, for his, his fund for $500,000. So, you know, they're getting paid for exactly what they put in. Um, but certainly, you know, other organizations are putting in too. Um, you know, in, in Lamb's district, it's been, uh, he would be a Nancy Pelosi style Republican or, or style Democrat, uh, who would vote against reform reform for families. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to say that families would benefit from this tax plan. I mean, it's crazy though, to think about the corporations that are paying for these ads stand to make billions upon billions of dollars. Uh, they are, this is a sales job. This isn't the truth about the tax plan. So, you know, frankly, American families aren't going to see, you know, very much of this at all, uh, if anything. And the things that did work in the tax plan for working families go away. And, you know, lo and behold, the, the tax breaks for corporations are the ones that are permanent and just get better with time. So families can expect to see a plan that, you know, even if you did get us a minor, minor help in this year's taxes, you're not going to see it uh, next year and the years going forward. And also, you know, all those cuts to benefits that are going to cost you down the line are going to be really, really painful. So uh, frankly, it's robbing Peter to pay Paul. And Paul happens to be CEO of a major corporation. Um, and it's really unfair for our families. And so in, in looking at the Pennsylvania special election, this probably gives us some of the best real-time data as to what's working and what isn't. 
Um, what do we know so far about uh, how the relative messages on each side are, are, are working? And are there are there messages against the bill coming from the Democratic side? Yeah, well, so what we were seeing is just huge spending on the other side. I, I think the last I read was that Lamb was being outspent 17 to 1 on the airwaves with outside groups uh, paying for the vast majority of the ads in this race. So they're not coming from the Republican campaign. They're coming from uh, well-funded outside groups against Connor Lamb, which is in my home district outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, and, you know, Connor Lamb is fighting back on the stump and certainly saying a lot about it. But these groups are spending a ton of money against him. Now, what's really interesting is seeing in this final stretch, I think that there's eight days left in this campaign. Uh, we're starting to see the Republican groups are in panic mode and they have just now switched uh, a lot of their ads, which were focused on taxes, are now switching to this scare, like fear-mongering immigration message that we saw a lot in the Virginia gubernatorial election uh, about how Connor Lamb is for MS-13 and uh, that he would protect immigrants. Uh, just really crazy stuff being, you know, spent against a, a federal, a former federal prosecutor uh, that he's soft on immigration. It's just you know, really ludicrous uh, race baiting ads, uh, which is just crazy. But it also shows that there's panic, that the tax message didn't get them over the finish line. Uh, and, you know, in a race that in a district where Trump won by 20, that a Republican, very pro-Trump, uh, very pro-tax district, that that message is not sticking. So I think that they, they've got fear in their eyes. And I think, you know, Connor has had to hold his own against a barrage of money and a barrage of ads. Uh, and they say that race is as close as three right now. So he's continuing to fight back against that, that message. So, you know, there, there's a lot to be hopeful of what you just said. But one thing that, that worries me is that there's such an asymmetry of support um, coming from the outside and at a time where Democratic enthusiasm for elections generally um, has never been higher, um, what do you think is going on there? And have you had any conversations with major funders about um, why they're they're not investing more in the special election relative to what the Republicans are doing? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a challenge. You know, we we aren't doing uh, PAC fundraising here. Uh, it's just kind of not part of what we do. But, you know, I think. Uh, that's part of what we're trying to communicate to the wider progressive community that uh, running against this is a winning message. And we think, uh, you know, candidates can do a lot themselves. We have, you know, you have some soapbox, but uh, we hope that people continue to run ads uh, against this against this terrible bill. I mean, frankly, the public's with them, uh, core Democratic voters. I think that there's a perception, um, and this, this poll also looked at this, I think there's a perception that Republican voters care more about taxes than Democrats do, and that's just not true anymore. Uh, frankly, we saw more enthusiasm from Democrats on this issue. So if you want to rile up your base, get them engaged. And that's an incredibly important thing about turning out the vote will be getting that base engaged. Talking about this issue, messaging on this issue is going to be critically important. I, you know, I would love to see more ads, you know, we're running ads, but not for or against candidates. 
we'd love to see more people out there messaging on this issue. But frankly, you know, we're going to have to we're going to have to vote with our feet too. We're going to have tons of actions around the country uh, leading up into tax day. We're going to be announcing more of that soon. Uh, so I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for people to make their voices heard on this and continue to, uh, you know, show show America where we're at on this issue. How does your research, you know, in the lead up to um, in, in the over the past few weeks, uh, you know, there obviously have been a lot of uh, national issues outside of taxes that have that have taken hold um, and some real tragedy, obviously. And, and Trump has also imploded in, in even a, a more uh, pronounced way than we're used to. Um, but before all of this recent news of the past few weeks, Trump's approval rating was uh, on the increase. Congressional Republican performance looked like it was starting to go up. Um, and in the middle of February, there were a series of articles, including a February 19 article in the New York Times that talked about how potentially this tax messaging was uh, one of the factors that was leading to increased Republican popularity. And, and in that article, they mentioned a survey monkey um, poll and I think started to extrapolate from that. And in that, they showed that um, support for the tax poll was growing even among Democrats. I think they, were say, they said it went from 8% support among Democrats before the bill passed to uh, 19% this past February. Did you see similar trends, uh, increased support for the bill over that period of time and, and even support among Democrats going up? Yeah, well, I will say that, um, you know, they're getting a little credit for the win, right? Like they hadn't, they've been so feckless and unable to do anything despite, you know, owning three, you know, both both houses in Congress and the presidency, they've been unable to get anything done. Uh, I do think that they get a little credit just for getting something over the finish line. So, you know, they get a victory lap. And certainly, you know, if, if you're talking about just who reporters are hearing from, uh, they are getting phone calls from Paul Ryan's office, Mitch McConnell's office, uh, every corporation that wants to get credit with the administration uh, and doing some kind of PR related bonus stunt. Uh, and, you know, on our side, we're fighting hard, but it's tough against a, a really big machine of, uh, of people on the right. So frankly, I think that they had a blip, they got a moment. And I think Frankly, now, the more people are starting to look at their paychecks and find out what this means. And also, as we start to, you know, we tried to have an infrastructure week. It's almost a joke now. An infrastructure week is every, every week is infrastructure week. But this administration can't keep it together long enough to have a real infrastructure week when we talk about what they want to do. But really, they can't have an infrastructure week because they can't do infrastructure because they spent the money. The money is gone to have a real infrastructure plan. So when people start to see the impacts, they start to see their Medicaid gone. They start to see Medicare cut. They are going to have a real problem uh, stomaching this bill that also didn't help them. So, Andrew, what do we do? So you've been working on this for folks who are listening, whether they're funders or uh, just general grassroots supporters or even candidates. Uh, what, what should we take of all this? Like, how should this change our behavior? Well, uh, first, I mean, I have to give my own organization a plug, of course. I mean, notonepenny.org is organizing events. We've been doing events since basically since New Year's and we're going to be doing them through tax day. So if you want to find events where you can engage locally, notonepenny.org has all those events up. 
definitely come out to events. Uh, you know, we're doing teach-ins, we're doing press conferences, we're doing things all around the country. So engaging that way, uh, when tax day comes around, we want to let them know exactly how we feel about this tax plan, that we don't like it. We don't like giveaways for rich people. Uh, we don't like giveaways for people who need it the least. Um, the other thing is, you know, as far as donors are concerned, Certainly invest in messaging on this, invest in uh, owning this issue. I think we, you know, there's so much hand wringing on the left about what is our message on the economy. No clearer than right now do we have, you know, this is the pinnacle of what they've wanted all along. They got it. They got a tax cut for corporations and almost nothing for working families. And it's going to cost working families in the end. And, you know, this is our moment to define who they are versus what we are. And I think using that message is a defining moment for progressives to say exactly who we are, what we're for, and just hammer that home. Uh, I think, you know, again, we've struggled with uh, what exactly is the progressive message. It means fairness for families in our tax code. And that's not what this is. So we should just continue to, to bear down and just continue to fight on this. I just, I, I can't say it enough. Even our worst message moves people to our side, uh, mm. even amongst all the messages that we tested. So definitely continue the fight. Well, Andrea, thank you so much. We should end on that. And uh, for folks listening in our show notes, we'll make sure to give you some clear actions of um, how you could actually act on, on what you heard today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.